This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. Rarely does one willingly imagine themselves in the last minutes of their life. The last few breaths one breathes. The last fleeting thoughts running through your mind. When the circumstances are tragic, an untimely demise, the mysteries of death only deepen in the minds of the living. Tonight, we examine the mysterious unexplained death of a young 21-year-old Canadian woman whose body was found in the rooftop water tank at the Hotel Cecil in Los Angeles. The cause of death was officially listed as accidental drowning. However, the case remains unsolved in the eyes of most. A truly bizarre story, to say the least, and the first of its kind on Into the Portal. Hello, and welcome back into the portal. I'm Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. And we are back covering a topic that we haven't really, well, a topic within a subject that we haven't really ever gone into. No, no, definitely not. (laughs) If anything, we've outright avoided it. (laughs) Yeah, you got into podcasts a lot, you know, like listening to topics like this sometimes Um, i i I enjoy my serial killer drama once in a while mm -hmm. um but yeah we're actually going true crime this week yeah so yeah i'm kind of excited well i'm excited about this one but it is a little bit more of a serious uh week we are talking about the death of someone who is real and yeah so we want to have a lot of respect for this case Definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, we're discussing the mysterious circumstances and legends that sprung up around the case, um, the disappearance of of this girl, Elisa Lamb, and then the subsequent discovery of her body in a very um, bizarre way. Mm -hmm. And um, you've written this in here, Amber, and I think this is interesting. It is kind of, in a lot of ways, a 21st century Dyatlov Pass-esque kind of a mystery because we do find the body Mm -hmm. um, in very, very, very strange circumstances, right? Kind of unexplained. Well... Some would say is some would say it's explained. Some would say it's unexplained. Well, exactly. um, there are is obviously an official report. Um, so yeah, listener discretion advised because we're going to be getting into some pretty mature subject matter and graphic autopsy details for this episode. Um, because yeah, first first venture into true crime. So we're excited mm-hmm. about it though. So yes. yeah, this this case involves conspiracy elements, very disturbing video evidence, possible supernatural factors as well. Was it an accident? Was it something more? It's it's a, it's very much a whodunit murder case um, in a lot of people's minds, or is it a straight up paranormal mystery? Mm. So there's wow. a lot to get through here. Um, that, or is it sheer accident? Is it is it Occam's razor? Right? Ooh, because some people yeah. would say that the picture that the police painted with their official report was not that of Occam's razor, but mm-hmm. we'll get into that. And actually, I just wanted to give a sh- quick shout out to Emily McKay. <laughs> yeah. She was the one that got us interested in this case. She showed us the, the 
ele- the infamous elevator footage. She did. And that kind of just sprung us onto this whole thing. Which so. is hilarious because my sister is such a wuss. I love you, Emily, but she's like totally <laughs> does like Harry Potter is like as scary as a movie she'd watch. So it's like for her to suggest this topic to us is like sweet. Thank you, Emily. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Exactly. And we also just want to keep in mind, um, obviously, the utmost respect for Elisa and her entire family. Um, of course. They've definitely experienced a type of hell that I never want to experience. And while we're discussing this case, we just want to keep that in mind and honor the memory of this young woman and also her family. That, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, quick background and bio on Elisa, because she is from our neck of the woods. Yeah. She was a UBCO, a UBC student. Yeah. She was in Vancouver studying. And we are a UBC alumni ourselves. So. Yeah. Yeah. I almost, I almost went down to Vancouver to finish my degree, but I decided to stay in the Okanagan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, essentially, Elisa was 21 at the time of her death. She, exactly, she was from the, I believe it was Burnaby or Abbotsford area of Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she was a very typical young lady, right? Like she was very Canadian. She had a lot of like, you know, um, Canadian interests, a lot of, she loved Harry Potter too, actually. That's a funny connection to Emily. That's right. She loved Harry Potter. And uh, she obviously had a lot of friends. She had love interests, family that was caring and, and with her. And of course, she had problems, most of which were highly relatable for me as a young 20-something individual that, you know, was a university student not too long ago. Yeah. And a lot of other young people, a lot of young Canadians. So, Elisa, yeah, she was in university at the time. She was experiencing a lot of stress and kind of dealing with the overload of her classes and how she was functioning with a lot of anxiety and depression. So mm-hmm. <laughs> these typical again, things, right? I mean, yeah, I, I honestly have been there. Absolutely. <laughs> like, and thinking all a lot of the same things. She was very active on her Tumblr blog, like a lot of people these days, right? You have a blog for release, and a lot of the things she was saying on there, then you can still access online. We'll have it in our show notes. They're um, very relatable. Again, right? It's just venting your emotions, finding this release, and all these thoughts, right? Mm -hmm, Totally. And I thought this was really telling. She had this quote that kind of framed her blog. It was like kind of an overarching um, idea that kind of she gravitated to. It was the idea that you're always haunted by the idea you're wasting your life. That's a Chuck Palahniuk quote. Yeah. Yeah. So same guy that wrote Fight Club and all that. But um, yeah, the idea that you're wasting your life. So she was searching for meaning and she wanted to find that. Yeah. And she was stressed out about the idea that she wasn't able to take a full course load. She had been dropped down to like, I think it was like one or two classes in a semester. And she thought she was wasting her time because she should be able to take on all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And I can relate to that. (laughs) Just taking on too much. Definitely. You burn yourself out. So I feel like that every day. <laughs> like I'm right? taking on too much. And I'm <laughs> and you're like doing you're too looking much. at me, you're just like, like oh gosh. I'm like, what if I'm thinking about all the stuff I have to do? I am Elisa, <laughs> yeah. No, totally, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of the picture I wanted to paint is just the idea that she was a very normal, average person. Mm-hmm. Not like she was um, hopped up on a bunch of pills, like she was very unstable psychologically, because some people will paint that picture because she did have anxiety and depression and yeah. a little bit of bipolar. Right. So she did yeah. take medication, but she wasn't yeah. she wasn't like psych ward, you know. No, like, no. and she, she was, was a, stable. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like many, many, many friends of ours were taking multiple different concoctions in university to get themselves through. Mm-hmm. Adderall is just one of the many things. Just right? one. Obviously that's for attention deficit. Right. But, but there's so many others and 
yeah, I honestly, I almost went down that road, remember? There was that one year I was having a really hard time, and I had a doctor, and he prescribed me, I don't even know what it was, but he yeah. prescribed me something, and I started taking it, and I couldn't even sleep at night. I was no. like, I was just wired. It was yeah. so weird. No. And then I stopped taking it, and I was like, you know, this is not for me. Yeah, and you made it through just fine. I did. <laughs> so. Thanks to you. Well, you're welcome. No problem. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, so the idea that, yeah, Elisa was this sort of troubled-ish university student, but... She had a lot to look forward to, and she talked about it in her blog. Uh, She had this tour, this West Coast tour planned. So she was going all over, um, down into the U.S. She wanted to um, experience it all. So she kind of, she had a few stops, Vancouver, San Diego, Los Angeles, Santa Barbara, San Luis, and Santa Cruz, then San Jose, and San Francisco. Okay. A lot of sands. Mm -hmm. But she even wrote about that. She was like, suggestions and recommendations, highly recommended and appreciated, uh, was a direct quote there. Right. And this is another quote from her. She says, planning, planning, planning for the West Coast tour. Sigh. Turns out I won't be able to, won't be making as many stops as I'd like. Vancouver, San Diego, Los Angeles, Santa Cruz, and San Francisco. I really want to stop by San Luis, but alas, we'll see. Suggestions and meetups, highly appreciated. So hmm. she was very active on social media. Yeah. And she's looking to like meet, meet with people. She's not just alone a lone flyer here, like a yeah. shout out to our friend Life Henderson who just does it by himself all the time when he travels. <laughs> but he meets up with people too once he He's does, there. he does. But I mean, she's yeah. she's reaching out ahead of time, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's sort of the weird contrast too, though, between her blog being very positive on some at some moments and then other moments being mm-hmm. a little bit more like having that quote at the top kind of, you know, the umbrella arching quote for that's her blog. That's true. And also the yeah. thing, you have that quote here up too, like my laptop screen is brighter than my future. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, so that kind of helps illuminate how Elisa had these emotional ups and downs, which is very um, typical with bipolar. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get all of the other sort of psychomatic symptoms, you know what I mean? Where you're going to go fly off the handle with some crazy mania. Right. But again, right, you know, know. I'm not going to say either way because I'm not judge or jury. I'm just the reporter. We can't make the (laughs) diagnosis. Exactly. There was this one. um, I liked this. Uh, It was a quote from when she actually got to L.A. and she was in the hotel where she would later be her body would be discovered. She says here, I have arrived in L.A. land and there is a monstrosity of a building next to the place I'm staying. When I say monstrosity, mind you, I'm saying it as in gaudy. But then again, it was built in 1928, hence the Art Deco theme. So, yes, it is classy. But since it's L.A., it went on crack. (laughs) (laughs) Fairly certain this is where Baz Luhrmann needs to film The Great Gatsby. (laughs) So that was dated late January of that same year when she first arrived in L.A. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, this was wasn't the very very last, but was one of her her last Tumblr posts before she would kind of mm-hmm. disappear. Yeah, and her body would be discovered shortly thereafter in one of the rooftop water tanks of the hotel that she was staying in, the Hotel Cecil. Um, discovered by a maintenance worker, Santiago Lopez, uh, February nineteenth, twenty thirteen. And this was after she had been last seen on January 31st. Mm-hmm. So she had been missing for quite a while she at had. this point. Yeah, and there was another sort of reference point for that too. I guess she would call her parents every night. 
And then that was the first time that she didn't call. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of disturbing for them. Yeah, and that's another really important fact that comes into the theory section too um, mm-hmm. for me, like the fact that she was calling her family nightly yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Ties into her Tumblr blog, Tumblr blogs and positivity and things like that. And her intention to remain exact, alive. Exactly, is mm-hmm. what I'm implying, basically. Exactly. Um, yeah. She was found, like I said, in the rooftop water tank. There, it was just one of several water tanks. One of four. Um, she was found unclothed completely submerged in the water. Um, her clothing was found floating in the tank beside her. She was, she had evidently been in the tank for a while. Mm-hmm. So she had already, her body was already partly decomposed, mm-hmm. um, bloated, like a body you would find, obviously, in water. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was tough for investigators right off the bat to decipher anything, obviously. Exactly. Once you get into the postmortem, the autopsy, like the tissues are like they've been submerged, they've been soaking and stuff. So I think it was hard for them to even take like a, a blood um, test or anything like that. Exactly. And this is kind of where it gets, uh, I mean, if this isn't gruesome enough already, it gets pretty gross from here because the body was discovered for a very specific reason, obviously. Well, yeah. And that was because <laughs> the guess... And residents of the hotel had been complaining for a little bit about the water quality. Um, This was happening for about at least a week prior to Elisa being found. They had reported an awful stench coming from the taps. There was also reports of black water coming through. Yummy. And a really awful stench accompanying it, too. Yeah. So you can only imagine the horror that everyone staying and had stayed at that hotel for the last over two weeks, almost mm-hmm. three weeks. Had what they, yeah. Drinking they, or showering in or whatever else, mm, right? Yummy. Mm. I would hope that they wouldn't be drinking the water because it is in the sort of harsh skid row area of LA anyway. So I'm not sure if people drink the water. I, I feel like, I feel like a lot of people are like, we're in North America. You can drink out of the tap. True. I don't even drink out of the tap at work, though, on the west side here. I don't in hotels. No. Ever. And I never, I don't, I don't like doing it in agricultural areas. I feel like there's a lot of stuff in the water. Leaching and things. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, like, yeah, so Elisa, this was a very harsh discovery. Um, The LAPD was obviously already on the case because she had been reported missing. Mm -hmm. And they kind of released a statement um, prior to her body being discovered saying that she had basically been missing for two weeks. And she hadn't been seen exactly like you said, Andrew, from January 31st onward. Yeah. And that her reason for traveling in the state was unclear because they always ask for like stupid, like, you know, like you need to have very specific reasons. She's just a traveler. Just, She's just, you yeah. know. And um, they said that they reported that her final destination was Santa Cruz. So she was continuing onward. This yeah. was not the last sort of stop on the way. Right. And it was also reported that she tended to use public transportation, such as the Amtrak and municipal buses, to get around. So mm-hmm. she was she was very well versed. Like, you and know, this is a person kind of who's thing. clearly on a vacation. That's yeah. what people on vacation use to get around. Yeah, it's so funny. Like when you phrase it that way, like her reason for traveling in the state is unclear, mm-hmm. implies what that's the fuel for a lot of the conspiracy, conspiracy theories yeah. that have to do with this, right? Like she was linked to different groups or whatever. We're going to get into that. Um, a little I, bit. I didn't even include some of the craziest. No, because, they're, because they are just that. Yeah. They are batshit crazy. Um, <laughs> a little bit. nothing to base them on anything. No. Really, right? No. Which is a, the definition of a conspiracy theory, really, right? There's no evidence. Otherwise, it would just be a theory with evidence to back it up. <laughs> exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, her, her timeline of last known locations and movements is kind of critical here to kind of lead up and try to figure out what the heck happened. Mm-hmm. But January 26, 2013, she actually arrives in California. A few days later, January 31st, 2013, she was last spotted by a hotel worker at the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles. The Cecil Hotel is close to a neighborhood known as Skid Row. So, of course, this is not ideal. Yeah. Um, to use it's my funny. phrase, it's less than ideal. Yeah. So, it's like... Yeah, sorry, I just included that because this is actually a direct quote from Global News that right. we're pulling this from. This was their little timeline here, but it's funny because they just say this really like, oh, the Cecil Hotel is close to a neighborhood known as Skid Row where mm. drug use occurs and homelessness is prevalent. Right. Just to set the stage there. Yeah, because... <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, and what does that remind you of? Like, just thinking of Vancouver, obviously, right? Like, yeah, these Hastings. Hastings. Um, yeah. And that's an area where, you know, like our friend, even again, like our friend Life, he lives down there. He's walking through there all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's a dangerous place, Skid Row, for sure. People don't just go missing, though, necessarily, right? Like, it's, they're sketchy people, but they're, they're sketchy because they got their own problems. They're not. Well, true. It's a good place for a serial killer to skulk around and go unnoticed, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, we're going to get into all that. But anyway, just so she, so so January 31st checks into the hotel near Skid Row. All right. So the start of February 2013, this is when she was supposed to check out. But of course, she never shows up. And this sparks hotel staff to, mm-hmm. to wonder why. And of course, they notify the LAPD. Yeah. February 1st, this is when elevator footage was shown. Um, well, when it was recorded. When it was recorded. Supposedly. Allegedly. Because we don't know how it was tampered with. And there's evidence that it was sped up, slowed down, cut at certain points possibly. Or even just the time stamps, stamp has been Exactly. With, so. so basically we've got this footage that is the only, it's the most significant piece of evidence that we have to work with as to what happened to Elisa. It's a, uh, Well, it's the second to last footage ever recorded of her, which right. is interesting because this is widely reported as the last footage known of her. So Yeah. And it's quite bizarre what you see and the behaviors displayed, which added to the sort of the lore that sprung up around this case and all the the hundreds and thousands probably of like amateur internet sleuths that yeah. kind of jumped on the case and were like, okay, let's And rightfully so because it is bizarre. True. Um, February 6th, uh, just a few short days later, the LAPD released details about this suspicious disappearance of a Vancouver woman. On the 7th, the LAPD hold a press conference about her disappearance and her family is in LA at this time. Um, And it's just, it's rough looking at them standing behind at the press conference. It's sad. 14th, week later, LAPD release a two-minute surveillance video of Elisa Lam, who seems to be acting unusual, that is an understatement, acting Mm -hmm. unusual in the hotel's elevator. Mm -hmm. She's pushing several floor buttons, stepping outside of the elevator, and then leaving. And concern at this time is obviously mounting regarding her disappearance because this is absolutely bizarre. Mm -hmm. February 19th, 2013, there's complaints of low water pressure from guests at the Cecil Hotel. That's an understatement, too. (laughs) Yes, it is. Um, Because it was more than just low water pressure. A worker checks the hotel's water tank and discovers something that no doubt ruined his day. Um, Um, A body in the water tank. Later identified. scarred you for life. (laughs) I would think so. Later identified, of course, as Elisa. And on the 20th, officials... um, Issue a do not drink order to the hotel residents mm-hmm. after Lamb's body is found in the water tank. And then the LAPD are investigating whether or not this was due to foul play or an accident. Mm-hmm. And I emphasize accident there because that's, 
that's an unlikely accident <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, <clears throat> it yeah. is. It is, but at the same time, you, they, no one knew. It was right. very bizarre, right? Indeed. How the heck? <laughs> like, really. So let's get into some of the facts here um, about this case. I wanted to talk about the hotel specifically a little bit okay. here because, obviously, this had a long history in L.A. prior to Elisa's disappearance, everything. It was built way back in exactly the Art Deco era, the 1920s. Mm-hmm. And the hotel was actually, it was a hotel and it was a long-term residence for low-income persons. And, of course, you get the typical forces of gentrification working on the sort of people that own the building. And it was kind of, it was being pushed to be marketed as one of the hippest boutique hotels. It was called Stay on Main. It had like this cute little whatever phraseology. And they were really, really trying to kind of overhaul the image and get the rates up, essentially. (laughs) So there was this one... It was funny, like, they were advertising Xbox games, Netflix movie lounges, free Wi-Fi, and it was all very appealing to international travelers, such as Lamb. Mm-hmm. So, I, like, when I originally looked into this case, I thought it was very strange that she was staying at this hotel in particular because of the area it was in. But more so when I look at it now, if they were kind of making these pushes and they were doing all these online ad campaigns and everything, it definitely doesn't seem as strange as initially made out to be. No. Because someone like Lamb would have been very cognizant, very aware. She would have been looking at online reviews. She would have been she would have been basing her decisions mostly from internet information, I yeah. imagine. Yeah. And yeah, so this hotel on the other side though, you get these kind of seedy long-term tenants and they're separated. Like, there's, like, if you look at pictures of the building, there's, like, two towers, essentially. So okay. one is the boutique side and one is the residence side. But the elevator remains shared territory between the two. So that comes into play again, right, when we're talking about the footage of Elisa in the elevator. It's so annoying that there's only one view, like, one perspective. There's nothing from the hall. Mm-hmm. If we had a hall security cam... This would solve so many questions because we don't know if there was someone on the other side of the wall. We don't know if there's someone holding the elevator open because it's bizarre, right? Why would the elevator remain open? She's pushed literally like half a dozen buttons. You would imagine it would start going up the floors. Yeah. Like so that even, to me is a big question. Even the angle of the camera, though, like if someone was out there like continuing to mm-hmm. hit like the open button to like keep it open, mm-hmm. they would literally have to be like... Like grandma's boy, like pressed up yeah. against the wall, like how can they see me? Like pressing the button like this, like <laughs> no, so like no one can see you from because the door because yeah. you got a good angle on that camera looking out the door. True, like someone would have to be like literally like mm-hmm. Kate Moss skinny, like pressed up against the wall there to not be seen. Or they'd have to have really long arms and just be reaching. Oh, oh, it's our hey. baby arm. Hey. <laughs> okay, that's a that's a bacon break. Bacon um, break. Taking a break for some bacon. All right, we're back with our bacon. Um, Okay, so yeah, the elevator was shared territory. So access to guests, like, you know, people that were just staying a night and then also for all these long-term residents. Mm -hmm. Like I said, the Cecil had a long history in L.A. Uh, It was built in the 1920s. By the 50s and 60s, it already gained reputation amongst locals as the suicide, quote-unquote, because of the high amount of suicidal deaths occurring. What an endearing name. Yeah, the long-term residence. And it, yeah, it started off with, I can't remember what his name was. It was in like the 1930s. I believe he slit his wrist in his room. 
But I would imagine, I didn't actually go through a laundry list of how people had killed themselves. I would imagine some people would have been jumpers. Probably. A lot of jumpers. Um, Because this was, yeah, again, like we already said, it was part of Skid Row. So L.A., yeah, it's the infamous homeless neighborhood. It's basically the area that is a virtual no-go for tourists. Yeah. Uh, you don't go there unless you're literally an anthropologist or something. You want to go take a walk on the wild side yeah. and see. I actually did go through this one article. This lady who yeah was visiting, she went on, like, the classic L.A. tour bus kind of thing. And then she, like, afterwards, she asked her tour guide to, like, show her some of the real side of L.A. She was a photographer. She wanted to take some photos. Yeah. And so she actually got, like, a really good glimpse into what's going on. It's, like, an entirely different city that's oh, been yeah. largely forgotten totally. by everyone. And they're, it's kind of sad, too, because unlike New York City, where they have, like, this... I can't remember what it was. It's like um, it's like a bylaw that essentially necessitates any emergency shelter is legal for mm-hmm. any individual living in the city. So you can construct like shanty towns essentially there. With LA, it's different. They don't have that, and because it's such a temperate climate, they don't really need it as much as New, New York. York. But it's the largest um, unsheltered homeless population in all of. America, I think. And presumably North America then, really. Probably. And essentially it's home between home to between 3,000 and 6,000 homeless men and women. That's crazy. It's a pretty rough area. And just to add to the lore side of things, because like a lot of people make the connection between um, the Cecil Hotel and the Black Dahlia murder. It was rumored that the Black Dahlia, like the actress, she was um, seen frequenting the Cecil Bar days before a gruesome murder, but there was no real connection other than that. I don't know. Really? But yeah, so that was kind of where Elisa ended up. And she was there... In and amongst, you know, Skid Row, um, in and amongst the Xbox users and other international travelers and things and mm-hmm. possible nefarious people, serial killers traveling in and amongst there too. So it was just kind of a, a melting pot of a different, a whole bunch of different sort of backgrounds. Totally. And it kind of just reminds me of, you know, like a hostile like environment. Yeah, um, not exactly. hostile in terms of like it's a hostile environment, but like, yeah, like a, an environment with a lot of different transient People, right? People, um, young people, old people. And I've stayed people, in places people. like this before yeah. in my life, mm-hmm. right? Like traveling in Europe and stuff and like, you know, stayed in some seedy mm-hmm. places. And, and and yeah, like you said, like no doubt she would have looked it up online. I wonder who she booked mm-hmm. through. Like oh, I wonder if she booked directly with the hotel or if she booked through like her mm-hmm. flight, like a Travago or something. You know Probably. what I mean? If, like, you, if you see like the way that they have it, like it says stay on Maine. It looks all bright and cheery and mm-hmm. it looks really cool, right, when you're looking online. When you get there on the ground, though, it probably would be a different story. Yeah. And then at the same time, too, she was obviously looking for experiences. So, yeah. anyway, so, yes, this is where she was staying. And, of course, we come, we're coming back around to the actual rooftop itself where she was discovered because there's some details about this that are important to the case. So the rooftop itself has four, there's four different access points to the rooftop. All was restricted to hotel guests. So there's three fire escapes and a locked rooftop door, which signals an alarm when it's opened. But to this, supposedly, right? (laughs) (laughs) The battery might've been burnt out, but um, this is a quote from Vice. Um, To this day, no one knows how Lamb got up there. Except, obviously, perhaps the person's complicit in her death, right? Mm, that was because, my <laughs> um, yeah, because because there there wasn't supposed to be access to guests. And if she was, if the door was supposed to be locked or alarmed, she would have had to go on outside, up a fire escape. It would have been way harder than just yeah. to go up an elevator and open a door. 
Well, exactly. Exactly. It's not like there's just like, yeah, the R button in the elevator that you can just go straight up kind of thing. And on top of that, she'd only been there for like less than a week. Right. So how familiar would you possibly be? Slash how, how, what would be your motive, right, for going up there? Exactly. You would have had to do full recon of the hotel, like day one you're there. And all of that would imply that she was in LA for a different reason. Like she wasn't the girl from mm. UBC going on a trip like that people thought she was. Yeah. Right? And that's where some of the conspiracies come into True. play. Yeah, exactly. So, again, to prove how easy it was to actually get on the roof, though, despite mm-hmm. restricted access, there was a Chinese YouTuber who proved who proved this. He just, you know, he shot a video and he climbed up fire escape and got onto the roof very, very easily. And there was evidence that, you know, there have been multiple different people frequenting the roof, mm-hmm. presumably the transient population in Skid Row, right? There's yeah. graffiti everywhere, um, you know, varying different ages of it on the roof. So mm-hmm. this has been happening for a long, long time. Most disturbingly, on the actual tank where Elisa was discovered... I there, don't know if it was actually on the tank, but okay. it, was, it was somewhere close to where she was discovered. It was either, okay, I, I thought I saw an article that said the tank. Either way, there's only four tanks there. Mm-hmm. Um, and either, regardless, it's spooky. There was a pig Latin phrase that translates to, I'm finished with her. Mm -hmm. Um, Which could be me, you know, could be applied to a lot of weird stuff that had gone on on that roof, but it seems a little serendipitous, to say the least. Yeah, pretty creepy. Yeah. Yeah. And it was quite fresh, too, I believe, uh, it was reported. So that, again, kind of... That was the part about it that made it, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. There's also a connection to a pretty famous serial killer, none other than Richard Ramirez. Um, so, yeah, no, the, more commonly known as the Night Stalker, who I actually had to kind of like brush up on because I hadn't heard of Richard Ramirez. But, um, yeah, one of the mo- most well-known serial killers to actually stay at the Cecil Hotel. And Ramirez seems to have committed his first murder in San Francisco around April of 1984. Mm-hmm. He was around 24 years old at the time, and he continued his rampage over a long while after this. But About a year. Yeah. The, the thing, though, is like, there's people talking about, oh, it could have been the ghost of Richard Ramirez, but he didn't actually pass away until after this event Very true. had taken place. The, the, I think the connection more so was the idea, yeah, some people are dumb and they thought that he was already dead at the time of her death and disappearance or whatever, but no, he, he died earlier or later that year in June, I believe, of uh, tuberculosis he was on, or something. He, on, of cancer, I think it was. He was on uh, death row. Yeah it was, yeah, it was some sort of disease. Yeah. But the thing is, too, just to add to that, is the idea that Richard Ramirez was practicing um, Satanism on the rooftop. So that was Ah, the connection to the roof. That is significant. Yeah, so he was performing satanic rituals. I don't know if he ever brought any body parts up there with him or anything like that, but yeah, Hmm. creepy mofo. Indeed. And there was other serial killers that had frequented the Cecil Hotel. I have one reference down at the bottom here when we get into theories and stuff, but yeah. There's a lot of creepy activity going on, just like in any hotel, though, really. Like, you know, there's, it's a weird culture. Yeah, when you're at a hotel like this in L.A., let's just, um, if we're going to cruise through this neighborhood when we go to visit uh, Chris or Scott and Forrest from Astonishing Legends or anything like that, let's um, mm-hmm. let's take a... So yeah. even within the roof, right, there's the tank to talk about. And it is accessible for an individual to get up there, but you have to really want to get up there and why would you want to right that's that's what i keep coming back to if this was a simple accident if this was something to do with lisa lamb and and just like a mental disturbance or whatever or an event like a a manic episode what would be the point of getting into this tank i don't understand it makes no sense did you want to read this quote here 
Yeah, well, do you want to give it a green? Sure. So, essentially, to reach this, this, it, yeah, just describing oh, this, how it would have had to go down. Yeah, so, the, sorry, this was from the judge that wrote, he was actually involved in the lawsuit that the Lamb family placed on the hotel after the events of, like, How did Lisa's that death. play out? I can let you know in a minute. Awesome. Okay, <laughs> to reach the water tank, Lamb had to go to the hotel roof, climb onto a platform, scale a 10-foot ladder along the side of the tank, push aside the 20-pound lid, and then either fall or climb into the tank mm-hmm. after after stripping herself naked. Yeah. Of course. This is Judge Helm. That's what he wrote in his nine-page decision. Um, yeah, so he was of the mind that this was a very unfortunate accident um, caused the source was mental illness on the part of Elisa and that it could have been prevented had there be um, like the proper sort of security, like a lock on the tanks or something like that. But, yeah, and of course these tanks remain really easily accessible today, mm-hmm. like even after this incident with Lamb, because mm-hmm. um, people have gone back up and been like, huh, well, this could ha- happen again very yep. easily. Um there was footage shot showing two out of the four tank lids being open uh, mm-hmm. a mere month after the lamb incident. Yeah. Just chilling open. That was the same footage from the Chinese YouTuber who right. accessed the roof. Yeah. So he went up there and he he went all the way on top. Like he climbed to the uppermost part of the roof so he could see over top into the tanks. Right. And they were exactly the way they had been previous to lamb's death, which is kind of weird because Judge Helm... Um, later on, I have another quote from him saying that, oh, this could have been prevented had the proper safety hinges and, and locks been applied to the tanks as they are now. But then you go back. Obviously, like for him, he might have wrote this way well after um, the Chinese YouTuber had shot his footage because yeah. obviously court doesn't happen in a day. It takes a long time. So there, you have to give him that credit, I guess. Right. But yeah, very. Um, that was an interesting sort of quote from him, I thought. So she would have had to have climbed up by herself, dropped into the tank, and closed the lid behind her because the the lid was closed when, um, what's his name, Fernandez or whatever, discovered her. Yeah. So it is harder to speculate on how she could have closed the lid behind her. The water would have had to have been quite high. She would have had to have been, like, either had a hand on the side of the tank, like the opening to the top, and then somehow hoisted herself up, grabbed the lid, and pulled it down. Because it's just like a, a latch, right? It's just like a single hinge lid. Nobody does that. So I don't understand I'm how sorry. that happens. And we're going to get into some of the inconsistencies with how her body was discovered, the fact that it was clothless, the conditions of the clothing that was found with her, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, I just wanted to touch on the autopsy. Yeah, <clears throat> let's do that. So this, again, kind of graphic. Please, if you have sensitive ears or little ones in the room just <laughs> get rid of them <laughs> yeah. yeah so okay lamb's autopsy noted no unusual trauma or self-inflicted wounds this included needle tracks um like scars like you know like cutting herself that type of thing that would have implied some sort of um self-harm yeah and no needles and no needles and, and no needle tracks, no needle so points so like she wasn't she wasn't drugged no. she wasn't like you know, the yeah. classic, like, in the neck and then, you know. I will note, though, that allegedly I heard, I saw a report that this guy that performed the autopsy was later, 
he was implicated in some lawsuit that he had performed an, another autopsy incorrectly. So really? I don't know how thorough he was. And and again, right, including needle tracks. So that would have been on her arms, right? He's looking for drug use, right? Yeah. And she was in the Skid Row area. So you could maybe imagine that. But what if someone had drugged her, literally got her through the eye or yeah. something? You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm thinking Murdoch here now. <laughs> yeah, there are ways. But, Sure, Lamb, Lamb's body was noted to be in moderate stages of decomposition. Skin flowing was present, bloating, and other factors to support the conclusion that she had been in the water for some time, probably at least a week or two weeks. Yeah. She was found face up, clothesless. Again, like we noted, the clothing was floating in the water with her. The clothing consisted of one pair men's medium black shorts. One large men's Alexander Keith shirt with the buck on the back. Mm -hmm. One pair polka dot sandals. One extra small American apparel hoodie. And one pair of black lace Calvin Klein small panties. Um, For me, I was kind of like weirdly confused by this outfit. I was like, I kind of put this note in like, does this add up to a cohesive outfit? I don't think so. No. But it is consistent with the elevator footage. It looks like that's what she's wearing. Similar anyway. At first when I watched the footage, I've seen it several times now, like I thought she was wearing a skirt. But when she actually, there's a moment where she gets out of the elevator and she spreads her legs quite it's like a wide step, and yeah. you can see that it's actually just a pair of shorts. big shorts, yeah. like gym shorts almost. Yeah. And I was just thinking to myself, like, it's weird, because when you look at her Tumblr blog, you there's a lot of, like, fashion-oriented posts, lots of imagery, lots of, like, you know, like, she was very well... Like, yeah. she liked that kind of stuff. She yeah. was she had interest in it. She's wearing Calvin Klein black lace panties. Like, that, again, points to that sort of thing. And an American Apparel hoodie. Doesn't match with Alexander Keith's. No. I was just thinking, like, this is weird. Men's medium shorts, a men's large Alexander Keith's shirt. The other curious thing about that, too, is, like, Alexander Keith's is a Canadian-based company. I don't know how prevalent they are. I'm sure they sell across North America. But, like, can you buy Keith's and... Keith's yeah, IPA in LA? I've never seen it. But well, anyway, but then I would add to the fact that Elisa had taken it with her from Canada then. So it would have Why been Why would she own luggage. that shirt, though? Like, that's not a shirt I she I don't know. Own. Unless she thought it was cool. <laughs> All right, well, let's keep it's a beer on. shirt. I don't know. But yeah. anyways, yeah, I just thought that was a little bit odd. So I didn't want to note that. Definitely odd. So that was what the autopsy report um, noted her, the clothing that was with her. Yeah. The autopsy toxicology came back negative for drugs and alcohol, so she wasn't under the influence of anything she shouldn't have been on. Hmm. The one thing that was kind of confusing was that she was on four different prescriptions, mostly for mood stabilization and antidepressant. And she, there were traces of these medications on Elisa at the time of her death. The medical examiners noted it, but they said that their analysis was limited because they didn't perform blood work. And I'm not sure if it was because of the state of decomposition or what their what their reasoning was. Hmm. But they also noted that it appeared... Okay, so this is another thing that's inconsistent because it says in another article that there was this blood test and it showed that Lamb had ceased taking her antipsychotics. So, I don't know. This is an inconsistency in reporting. Yeah. And the first one came from a Vice article. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the first one was from the Vice article. They were quite thorough, but at the same time, you never know. And we looked over global news, too, and, like, they, a lot of it was matched up with Vice. Yeah, yeah a lot of them had, yeah, exactly. And we went through multiple sources. Hmm. But 
Anyways, yeah, so there was that. And if, if, so this is the if, if she hadn't been taking her antipsychotics, but she was taking her antidepressants, this could have actually caused um, an imbalance. And some people say that this could have caused a severe mania episode and things like psychomotor agitation, which would have stemmed from the anxiety and mental tension that would be building up as a result of this chemical imbalance. Mm -hmm. So this could contain hallucinations and delusions. And some people point to the elevator footage um, to support this sort of argument and to say that Elisa was actually in the middle of one of these manic episodes and that she was dealing with these stresses um, by, you know, when she's making those gestures, those weird, like, circular motions with her hands. And well, it looks like she's petting. At right. First. Like, she looks like she's petting something. We should get into that. Let's talk about oh, yeah. the full footage so we can break That's it down actually, for everyone yeah, here. Exactly. So, anyways, just to finish my thought, yes, though, before we get into that, is um, the idea that some people think she was cracking joints and that Elisa, she actually was double-jointed. So that makes sense when you see, like, those kind of more exaggerated motions. Right. And okay. if the footage was tampered with, like a lot of people think it was, and it was slowed down, those motions again would be even more exaggerated. So they would look weirder than they actually were in real life. Yeah, they yeah they'd still look a little weird in full motion, in my personal opinion. To be to be to doing be just in that doing moment that, um, in that exact moment. Yeah. 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 So basically, the elevator footage. You guys should all go check it out if you haven't mm-hmm. had the chance yet. Um, and it's on YouTube, obviously, right? And we'll have it on our page too. Like we'll add it. Um, yeah. But. Um, Basically, yeah, it shows Elisa getting into the elevator, clearly looking frantic, um, like she's being followed or something. Yeah. She's she's moving in very, like, the way it looks to me is like she speed walks in almost kind of. Like she's, she starts pressing multiple buttons. She's pressing. But she's very loose in her movements. She swings her arm quite freely as she enters the elevator and then just kind of whimsically kind of bends down and starts pushing the buttons, right? Right, which is like odd it seems more relaxed relaxed but almost as if she's relaxed like she's on stage playing a princess in a disney play true like that's but not normal i movement think i think the weird part elevator. well i think the weird part about it is when she's finished pushing the buttons she stands back to the very corner of the elevator and i'm thinking to myself is that just a product of living in vancouver and and feeling like there's going to be crowded elevators wherever so you go to the back because like normally when i'm in an elevator i'm in the very middle i'm not gonna like go to the very corner like and just no. stand there with my arms by my side no some people do interpret her arms being on her sides as a relaxed posture, though. Like trying to, like, pull your shoulders down and, like, well, just, that, I do just that. Sitting, yeah, exactly. I, mean, I do that and I'll stand straight armed, like, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Trying to get your sh- back to feel good. Exactly. Mm. So after we see that initial sequence where she gets in the elevator, pushes a series of buttons, goes to the corner, she stands in the corner for what seems to be at least, like, 15 seconds. I honestly don't have that exact time. Well, but it's hard because it might be slowed down. Like, well, we, that's we don't just know. it, too. Yeah. So she's standing there, and then nothing's happening. The door isn't closing. No. That's the weird part to me. Right. And that's the weird part to Elisa, too. She gets out. She, like, looks around, right? And so we see several sequences where she actually gets out of the elevator and into the elevator again. Yeah. In very, um, I would say, abrupt motions. Abrupt. How would you... she's, she's kind of, at times, walking in direct right-angle turns, mm-hmm. um, which... Almost as if she's walking around objects that aren't even there, uh, in, mm. to me, in a way. Like, mm-hmm. And that, that's the point that Emily, like my sister, who suggested this episode, mm-hmm. made that point. Like, it's very deliberate yeah. right-angle motions. Oh, yeah. And then she, yeah, she steps outside. You mentioned how she does this sort of wide stance mm-hmm. at some point. And she's doing these weird wrist-turny things that, in mm-hmm. slow motion, 
are very slow much akin to slowed motion, not slow, slow-mo, but, um, <laughs> you know, not regular pace, yeah. like a doctored video look. Like, the first thing that pops into my mind is, like, demonic possession, which I'm not saying it is at all, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying, like, that type of weird wrist motion and contorting movements just, like, reminds me of, like, you know, yeah. movies like that and stuff. Exactly. It reminds me of, like, she's seeing something that we're not seeing. Yes. And the other thing, the other sort of analogy I can kind of add to that thought is VR. If yeah. you have a VR set on you, like virtual reality, and you're seeing things that people aren't seeing, like, and that's you're doing gesturing, what it oh, like. that's, oh, that was our new mic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, yeah, so that kind of, again, kind of points the idea that she was either experiencing something or feeling something. Like, what if some people point to, like, yeah, like either demonic sort of forces or ghostly forces. Some people say that they can see a shadow in the footage. That kind of points to, like, maybe there was a ghost. Maybe Elisa was literally going through the veil like she was feeling a cold air mass. Like, you know what I mean? Like that type maybe. of thing. So there's a lot going on in this footage, a lot of different ways to interpret it. But Definitely. essentially how it ends is with... Elisa exiting the, the the footage. You can't see her anymore. She exits the elevator to the what would be the left, I guess, from yeah. our angle, our yeah. perspective. And then as soon as she's out of the picture, the elevator starts moving again. Yeah, the door so closes. That and... is strange. And it goes up several floors and then it basically cuts out after that. But what the heck? I was so confused by this footage because I was like, why? My first question is, is this elevator just malfunctioning? Did she push something in those buttons that would make it stay, the door stay open? I mean, it's an old hotel. Like, you and I talked about this. Like, it could yeah, be. It could be. But it just seems bizarre. I, I want to, like, go to that hotel myself and just experience a ride in that elevator because I want to know what the delay is. And There's only two options. Like, we talked about this. We just moved into a condo ourselves, right? Like, the two options mm-hmm. are it's an old-ass hotel and the elevator's malfunctioning, so the door timer and, sick, like, the sensor is just not working properly. So mm-hmm. it just closes whenever the hell it feels like. Option two, someone had the key to mm-hmm. lock the door. Yeah. And keep it open. Mm-hmm. Those are the only two options. Or someone was pu- pushing the button to the outside. Or someone's standing there. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's those are like the only options. That's, like, Smeagol size, like, cannot, like, so mm-hmm. small and skinny, like, can't be seen because that, you would be probably depending on what side the button's on I guess too is it on the right side or the left side of the elevator door I would assume it's Um, to the opposite side where Lisa was standing outside of the then that would mean it's on the side that she exits to and the camera's no 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 the opposite no she exited to the left I would say it's to the right but I can't verify that right and okay just to add to that too some people interpret Lisa's um behaviors and actions and body postures to be kind of flirtatious and they kind of interpret it as she's playing a game with someone and there's someone on the other side that we can't see so what what time was this footage from again um it was like middle of the night it was past midnight just after yeah so and then the other well should we get into this right now there's the idea that okay like we already mentioned that the idea that timestamp was tampered with so it's unreadable and it looks as though the footage was deliberately slowed down and there's a cut that some people have noted. It looks as if there's at least a minute cut out. And so some people point to a conspiracy originating from the police. They were actually very hesitant to release this footage of Elisa. They weren't sure. I, I'm not even sure what their reasoning was, but yeah. they, they were very hesitant. So some people say that they were trying to protect an innocent bystander, which definitely makes no sense. There's because no one in the video. Well, that's just it. The, the 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 minute that was cut out was there someone in that footage that they're protecting, but that wouldn't that's make the, sense. Uh, no, because if 
if anyone was in that footage, they would be a person of interest, not an innocent bystander. Not only that, but if you wanted to protect their image, then just blur their face, like yeah. on every exactly. every single freaking episode of Cops ever, where they yeah. have somebody that doesn't want their face shown. Totally. So then the other side of that is more conspiratorial. It's like others say it was an inside job. Elisa was mixed up with something she shouldn't have been involved with. Either that, with the police, right? Some sort of I don't even know, like some crazy conspiracy there, or inside job is in the hotel staff had altered the footage before they even gave it to the police. So there's that as well. Hmm. Lots of stuff going on. Um, this is such... What are you thinking so far? Man, that's... <laughs> yeah, I mean, for those last two comments, like, the, the red flags that show up for me is, like, okay, hotel staff doctoring footage. It's like, okay, you gotta have people on staff that are either, like, so far deep down the rabbit hole of whatever conspiracy is going on at the hotel, okay, or you've got someone who's, like, night audit slash, like, video editor who's capable of doctoring f- I know, footage. Right? That's, like, a skill yeah. that you wouldn't be working at the Cecil Hotel. Mm. The cops... The only thing that makes sense for me where they would try to cover something up would be the idea that this is a skid this is a seedy place. The source of clearly like, I don't know, like cops selling drugs or like you know what I mean? Like I'm thinking yeah. like trailer park boys where they're like buying dope off the cops. Sting like operation. is this, yeah, is like is yeah. did, did she did she basically become a privy to, yeah, like this is a, a drop point for like mm-hmm. illegal activity. Oh yeah. But then it seems like again, very much like Dial off pass. Yeah. Why would the bodies ever be found? Yeah. If someone finds out that you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, you're just going to vanish. Mm-hmm. You're never going to be found again. Or at least that would be if, the smart way to do if it. If it was sort of more coming from higher ups in some sort of either uh, like a technology firm or or even, yeah, like what if it's police corruption? Whatever you, you it never may know. be, right? Yeah, so there's a lot. I, it's very, very strange. I'm not quite sure. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get into some theories and stuff. I we guess. are going to get into theories. Before we do that, though, um, let's hear from Charles, the urban fantasist. Yes. And his awesome UK podcast, Weird Tales Radio. They are funky, man. They're in the top 40 of all UK podcasts. So And Charles just joined forces with us here at the Straight Up Strange Network. So excited. So we're really happy to have him on board. And yeah, let's give him a listen. Hello. Do you like werewolves? Ghosts? How about weird legends? Folklore? Or is witchcraft your thing? Then join us on Charles Christian's Weird Tales radio show every Thursday. We're on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, YouTube, and at weirdtalesradio.com. And we're back. So yeah, make sure you guys go check out Weird Tales Radio, and uh, you can find them on Mm straightupstrange.com, and our whole list of shows on there. And uh, so stoked to have Charles. It's sweet to have shows from all over the world. And we just keep keep adding more, so it's going to be great. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, let's um let's keep moving along here. Yes. Where are we at? Okay, let's get into the so we're into theories now. I want to talk about circumstances involving Elisa alone. So okay. the most obvious one is the accidental death scenario. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so many have put forth the idea that Elisa's death is simply the result of a combination of bipolar disorder and an imbalance in her medications, which resulted in this sort of psychotic manic break from reality and her untimely death. Um, so essentially the elevator footage that we've already discussed does show some strange behaviors and mannerisms 
some of which could be um, interpreted as consistent with a manic episode and psychomotor agitation. Okay. So, yes. So, again, right, like where the gestures, the hand movements, it's almost as if she's trying to release um, tension, tension, things like that. But that's a rational thing to do. It is. And the idea, okay, when you when you account for the tampering with the speed of the footage, her movements do become less odd, like we already kind of mentioned. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the weirdest of her behaviors, those, yeah, exactly, the hand gestures, the whatever, um, exactly that could be in a really, could be interpreted as joint tension release. Totally. Like, you do that in yoga classes and stuff. Yes. You do that. Exactly. So, I, I feel like that would have been something that Elisa's doctor would have taught her to do. Maybe. And given her past history of mental illness... Aliso is actually more inclined to um, depression and not mania. Yeah. So if she had been in a manic state, it doesn't, like a lot of people, this isn't just me saying this, a lot of people have said that it doesn't seem very probable she would have climbed up <laughs> a foot ladder, lifted a heavy steel tank lid and crawled inside. Mind you, though, when you are in a manic state, you do have superhuman strength sometimes, but you don't have the rationalization. What would be the rationalization for that? None. So to crawl inside after declothing yourself and only to drown, it would be far more probable she would have just jumped off the roof. Absolutely. It's fast, it's easy, and clean. It's It's not like... Two plus minutes of drowning. Nobody Probably kills even more themselves than that, that right? Nobody I know. does. And that entirely, like mm-hmm. you just said, implies de- like it's depression, not mania. Mm-hmm. Because you don't crawl into a... Like that implies... Like if you're going to crawl into a, a tub to drown yourself because you think something's after you or something, that is like full-blown schizophrenia. It's Yeah, and it's hallucinations, yes. right? So, yeah, exactly that. Elisa was much more prone to just emotional fluctuations between negative and positive emotions. It, she didn't have that sort of psychotic sort of element or history of that psycho- yeah. psychosis. Added to that, however, I will mention that her when Elisa actually checked into the Cecil, she was put into um, a shared room. She had two other roommates, and her roommates actually complained about odd behaviors with her, and she was moved to a singular room in the days before her death. Right. So I'm not even sure. I didn't get anything other than just strange behaviors. So I don't know if it had something to do with, like, cultural differences, right? If it was, um, like, Elisa was just kind of her own person. She was a little bit out there. I don't know. So I just wanted to add Hmm. that to the conversation, too. Um. Another aspect to this is, like, how she would have known about the rooftop. She'd only arrived in L.A. and checked into the Cecil Hotel, like, days previous. Mm-hmm. And her blog made no such mention of any discovery, which I feel like she might have... Like, you know, it just adds to the, like, la-la land. Like, she's like, oh, yeah, like, I'm here in L.A. And, like, I feel like she would have even taken pictures of it. Who knows? What? Yeah. But that's adventure. just me. That's just me putting my own sort of thing on there. The other strange thing about this sort of angle is the fact that the autopsy noted that her clothing was covered in sand-like particulates, which were actually from the rooftop itself. So what this means is that her clothing was on the ground first before it ended up in the water tank. If Elisa was in a state of mania... So she climbs up. Let's, let's just do this scenario here. She finds a way to access the roof, most likely through the fire escape. So she would have had to climb all the way up. Yeah. And then from there, she would have had to rip off her clothes for whatever reason. Maybe she's hot. I don't know. Maybe she's on <laughs> bath salts. No, I'm just kidding. She, there's no evidence. There's of no that evidence. At all. Yeah. No evidence. 
So she would have ripped off all of her clothes by herself. And then from there, she would have thrown them on the ground of the roof. She would have had to have picked up all of her clothing. So all of it, right? Because there was over five pieces of clothing found with her. Picked them all up, carried them with her under her arm as she's climbing up this 10-foot ladder to climb into the tank. So she would drop the clothes into the tank and then slide into the tank, somehow close the lid behind her. It's, and then no, drown herself. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm going to say no. I'm, I'm really no. confused about that. I don't feel like that's very that probable. That happen. <laughs> that was the quote-unquote unicorn painted by the, the police, right? Because that's essentially what they said. It was an accidental drowning brought on by mental illness and bipolar. And that's just the, the easy cop-out answer because, like pun intended cop-out answer, because like literally they are probably sitting there thinking like no, no suspects. Mm-hmm. one piece of video or well, a couple pieces mm-hmm. of video footage that have no suspects in them. Mm-hmm. We're never going to find this guy. No girl, trace whoever evidence. Whoever it was. Yeah. So natural death. On yeah. to the next one. One thing I didn't actually include when I was talking about the autopsy is the fact that she, I'm not sure if there was even a rape kit performed on her. There was evidence of some sort of trauma around her um, rectal area. Mm-hmm. Some sort of like, it was like discoloration and, and blood pooling. So again, right, that it's might possible. point to some sort of... And obviously the particulates on the clothes would also potentially imply that she was dragged. That she um, was... Or, or, yeah, dragged with her clothing on, or the person who dropped her body into the tank dropped the clothing in with it to cover up the evidence again, right? Like, <laughs> or to, just to delay the, the discovery of the evidence, right. which kind of leads me to one train of thought, which we'll get to in a second. Okay. But important questions here. Why would Elisa kill herself? Why? She never gave any indication of suicidal tendencies, and she never exhibited any mental illness breaks that culminated in self-harm or suicidal actions. She did express a lot of hope for the future, and she was enjoying her West Coast adventure, so it doesn't really make sense. And just to add to that, there was a bookshop keeper who came forward in the weeks following the incident, saying that Elisa was in her shop in the days previous to her disappearance, and that she bought a bunch of books and gifts and things to bring back to her family, and she was asking the lady how best to bring them home safely. Right. So that indicates intentions of leaving L.A., you know what I mean? And that also indicates a person who... If you go off your meds for a couple days, you're not all of a sudden going to be like Russell Crowe from A Beautiful Mind seeing freaking 50 <laughs> people that aren't actually there, True. like telling you to k- kill yourself in a water tank. Like yeah. that is zero to 11 in terms of like trying to decipher what happened. Mm-hmm. To me, that is not Occam's Razor at all. No. It is the opposite. It is. It is. It really is. And again, why would her family or and or her doctor ever let her go on this trip alone if she was any in any sort of danger, had any sort of previous sort of indications that she would relapse into severe mania or depression or whatever? Not that she had exhibited severe mania at all. It was just depressive tendencies that she had right. exhibited. Oh, so, man. yeah, so that, again, accidental death scenario is a little... It leaves a lot of questions to be answered, in my opinion, yeah, because I don't, I don't get it personally. No, but that's a, literally the last Plan Z way you would kill yourself. Like mm-hmm. you would run through the whole alphabet before you get to that one. Um, yeah, yeah, and the, <laughs> basically, like. I'm going to come back around here to this idea of demonic possession, and I do not think that that's what happened no. to Elisa at all. This is We um, wanted to make, mention this as a part and parcel of the sort of, um, not accidental death scenarios, but circumstances involving Elisa alone. Yes, exactly. And not other humans. And, like, demonic possession, that descriptor obviously has a lot of religious overtones to it and stuff like that. It or could even just be ghostly, whatever. Go- whatever, right? Yeah. Because there are 
parts of the story that do point in that direction in some in some sense right so like for example like you mentioned when she first got there things started to get weird right from jump street right Mm -hmm. she she arrives at the hotel she checks into a shared room and the people are like this chick's weird Mm. it's almost as if as soon as she showed up at the hotel something came over her you know um like there was maybe she was and of course when you're talking to ghost hunters or people who deal with types of things like possession and elementals and spirits and stuff like that, it's people who are like weak of mind, like weaker mm. of mind, right? Or more susceptible to emotional s- stimulation, or right? Or in cle- tune with other elements. Or that too. Yeah. But clearly Elisa was maybe not the strongest mental person, right? Like mm-hmm. she, she, she could have... She, she was sensitive. She, she, she was sensitive. She could have been very easily affected by energies in a building that's been frequented by serial killers Mm -hmm. where many, many people have killed themselves. Mm -hmm. Or been Um, murdered. This is very much a... Exactly. It's very much like a Berkeley Square-esque type situation, right? Mm -hmm. There's energies going on. There's energies. There's violence. There was this one murder that occurred, I believe, in the 50s or 60s, and it was of this this poor woman who had been a longtime resident. She was found brutally raped, murdered, and just like, like totally just like brutalized. That was one of the most brutal murders that had happened in the building. But yeah, so there's lots of negative energies there. Right. And of course, the video footage is potential of other evidence to lend to this too, because we see nobody in the footage, mm-hmm. but she's clearly outside the door gesturing towards something. Exactly. Unless you just think that she's doing that to release tension. But if that's the case, why wouldn't you do that inside the elevator waiting for the door to close? Very true. And on top of that, I kind of interpreted that initially as like her trying to figure out why the door wasn't closing. Because that, to me, was my number one question. My first watch, I was like, okay, yeah, you get in the elevator. She pushed too many buttons, which is a red flag. And then she gets into the corner, but then nothing happens. I'm like, why? I'm so confused. And usually elevator doors have the door close button. Yeah. Like, you'd think she'd press that. Yeah. Why isn't it closing? Let's close here now, Mr. Door. Unless, is she playing a game? So that was the other sort of idea. Yeah, so there's there's this... creepy idea this concept that's really creepy pasta mm-hmm. um for those of you who aren't familiar with that it's you know it's it's fiction essentially right fictional stories slender man-esque stuff all, all originating on the internet <laughs> all of it and the elevator game seems to from the research i've done brief research mind you just to be fair um seems to have originated in chat rooms and websites in korea mm-hmm. south korea it's a creepy pasta game that basically involves people starting on floor one of a minimum 10-story building. Mm -hmm. And you essentially go through a series of floors, pressing -hmm. pressing the the certain uh, pattern of floors, and there's different variations of the game. Mm -hmm. But essentially you go through these stages, and then in the final stage there will be a woman that walks into the elevator Mm -hmm. with you. And you're not supposed to make eye eye contact. You're Mm -hmm. not supposed to acknowledge her existence. She may ask you where you're going or what you're doing or a series of other potential questions, too. You're not supposed to answer her. Otherwise, terrible things will happen to you. Hmm. Essentially, the whole point of this game is to get to another dimension. Um, It will bring you to a floor where you are in another world. Like the void. Exactly. Freaky and man. I actually, um, I'm not going to read through the whole thing or anything, but yeah. there's a, I found a blog uh, on it, um, anonymously posted, no name, a girl who specifically went to, not to the Cecil Hotel, but was in LA and tried this game at, mm. a, at a similar hotel in the area because of the Elisa Lam case. Um, she, who knows if this story is true, right? But she describes that she did the game. She ended up on the top floor, 
There was a small girl that got onto the elevator with her. She didn't make eye contact, obviously. She was staring into the corner. The girl asked her, the girl just said, help. Um, This anonymous writer didn't respond. The girl said, help again. Again, she doesn't respond. This girl then got angry and started to scream obscenities at her, Mm. like F you, you, right? Like all Mm. this stuff. She's freaked right out because clearly this isn't just a little girl that's got on the elevator with Mm -hmm. you. Ends up at at the 10th floor, I guess, and uh, little girl gets off. She goes straight back down to the first floor, out onto the street, and she describes that now she sees this little girl's this what she presumes is this little girl from the elevator in every crowd where she goes. Oh, She's basically me. being followed by something Ugh. because she played this game and she didn't play it the right way. Yeah. Okay, so that's the interesting thing about this game is the idea, I can't remember exactly, it's where you end up though and that determines whether you play the game right or wrong. If yeah. you end up on, I think what it was is you push the 10th floor button as like your last button. Right. And then if it takes you to the 10th floor, you've done the game right, but if it takes you to the first floor, you've done it wrong. Something like that. I could have that reverse. And there's though. a few different variations yeah. for sure. Again, kind of just like, right, it's creepypasta, it's made up stuff. But at the same time, you know what this made me think of? What? Um, when we were looking at like uh, ancient Siberia and stuff like that, the Yaku Gears have this very interesting concept with the other world. And Ooh. it's essentially a series of drawers is how they perceive it. Like in, if you're going right. to look at it in a physical space, mm-hmm. each drawer in the dresser is a different world. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, an elevator and a building with a series of floors is kind of the physical representation of what they perceive to be these alternate dimensions yeah. that you can get to. Maybe there's something to this. Like, not that mm-hmm. the creepypasta game is real, but no. maybe there is something. A way to sort of co- go through the drawers to kind of seep through those permeable membranes. Exactly. So Almost like, I like the analogy of the, like, a bubble bath. Like, you know, and you have, like, a f- all this foam, all these bubbles. Each individual bubble within that big mass is a different dimension. Exactly. Yeah. And there's, so there's ones that are right beside each other, and there are ones that are very far away right. and very unfamiliar. Exactly. <laughs> So, of course, some people thought that Elisa may have been playing this game, whether of her own will or not, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it doesn't make sense for me. I don't really understand this because she got off before it went anywhere. True. She never went anywhere with no. it. It was almost as if the elevator rejected The game her. didn't want to be played. Yeah. Because she pressed all these different buttons. Yeah, There's exactly. There's the other... Uh, you, you found this other thing where, like, the buttons themselves that she pressed were potentially matched up to the Bible. They matched up, I think it was the, I can't remember which book, if it was the book of John. There's some book that essentially like, okay, so the elevator footage is so grainy, you really can't even make out what buttons she's pressing. Mm -hmm. But some people feel like they know which buttons, like which floors and which numbers, and they do correspond to verses in, I think it's the book of John, and they correspond to verses that contain references to water. Right. So that's a freaky, freaky thing. But again, right, that's all kind of conjecture because I don't know if you can I don't know if you can safely say or confidently say that you can pick out which floors she actually pushed. It seems no, to be in you like can, a sequence, you, you, right? You could basically guesstimate based on okay, you know how many floors there are at the hotel. You see where the lights are popping up. Mm-hmm. Is that fourth or fifth or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not buying into the elevator game per se, but no. super, super creepy and definitely looked as if she was trying to signal to something on the bottom of that elevator. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. All right. I think it's time to get into 
some other circumstances. Circumstances that involve other people in the death of Elisa. Because the more you look at it, the more it seems to be the case that there has to have been someone else involved. Definitely. If you're gonna if you're gonna go the Occam's razor route, you know what I mean? Yes. So I kinda laid it out here. Let's just go with scenario one, and we're talking murder, plain and simple here. Mm-hmm. And so scenario one in my mind would be a hotel resident. That would be, um, honestly, the person, any one of the residents would have had plenty of motive to target someone like Elisa, not her personally, but just her as a guest staying at the hotel short term. Right. So we already talked about the idea that there was that sort of move to sort of, the gentrification factor was involved at the Cecil Hotel at the time of Elisa's death. Mm-hmm. The um, the hotel owners were trying to modernize, renovate everything, upscale the image, and call it the stay on main kind of thing. Yeah. And so at the same time, you get the residents kind of going into panic mode. A lot of them are on fixed incomes, low incomes. And in light of this sort of attempt to modernize, I feel like they would have felt threatened. And so a lot of people have brought that up as a potential possibility with the Elisa Lam uh, death. Yeah. And there was actually three known sex offenders who lived at the Cecil at the time of her death. I'm not I'm not just like gonna like um what's it called? Like not correlate, but conflate the two. But I'm saying that that's another alternative too. And there was one person in particular, Alvin Taylor, who was a registered sex offender. He was living at the Cecil at the time of Elisa's death. And he was actually implicated in another instance with a different guest, where essentially him, Alvin, and his adopted son, Aiden Taylor, were implicated in this attempted rape, robbery, and assault of another guest, who was actually a male, I believe. And in 2013, after Elisa's death, they gave um, testimony stating that they believed the Taylors were very nefarious criminals and they were capable of many things, including what happened to Elisa. Mm -hmm. So they would have had plenty of motive to secure the sort of sordid reputation of the hotel. Can you imagine, right? Like, what's worse for a hotel's reputation than a guest, an international guest, a student, a young woman, a vulnerable sector of our society, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of um, being targeted and and in the grossest way, right? Contaminating the water source. Like, that is the ultimate, in my opinion. It's It's like an ultimate FU, essentially, to the the hotel. Definitely. I guess so. So they tried to send a message? Like... That's definitely one way you could look at it, for sure. What do you I think? Mean, I mean, my my initial thoughts on that are: it's hard to make a judgment because you don't you don't know what what t- Mr. Taylor is like, other than the fact that he's a registered sex offender, though, right? But in terms of like his intelligence, um, mm. we don't. I don't like because it sounds it sounds like the characters that are living at this hotel are not the types of say serial killers that are like really smart ones that would like <laughs> you know travel across the country and go unnoticed for 25 years you know what i mean like this is the type well, of murder if you're going to call it a murder that you that wouldn't to me come from a low income probably drug using person living at the Cecil Hotel who's afraid about being kicked out of their apartment mm-hmm. it seems much more sadistic systematic mm-hmm. like someone Okay. That yeah, that's actually my scenario too, which we're gonna do in a second here. But again, right? Like yeah, let's bring in some other factors. So the Taylors, they actually were at the hotel living there at the time. So after Lisa's death, they were still there. They were still drinking the water. They were, you know what I mean, bathing in it. So they were all. You think they would have made? They could have made their own 
arrangements, right? And not have been using the hotel's water source without the hotel's knowledge. So that is a possibility. But at the same time, a lot of people point to the fact that they remained at the hotel. That kind of points to their innocence. Now, you brought up the serial killer element. Clearly, no one living at the Cecil probably would be in that category, even though there were serial killers like the Night Stalker that did uh, frequent that hotel and stay there for about a year or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a few throughout history, and I can't remember. I do have the name of the other guy there, but I'll get into that in a second. But in my mind, the motive is there, right? Right. Yeah. So anyone could have done that. And if someone working or living at the hotel was involved... It kind of makes sense that the last known footage of Elisa, or second to last footage of Elisa, was manipulated. Would have been consistent with someone who knew how to mess with that footage, right? Or had access to the camera system of the whole film. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's that as well. I mean, like, but but if you're if you're trying to make a make waves, if you're trying to make waves with a murder of a of a of an international, right? Like of a student, a young woman, Mm -hmm. not an American. Then don't you think that like finding her body beaten, bloodied on the roof would be just, just as impactful and more like even more so, even potentially? But at the same time, a lot of criminals and murderers use water to hide up the evidence and the trace evidence, especially. So but, they might have thought maybe this will help. Like a lot of people dump bodies into rivers because they think. No, that I it's totally cover get. Them. No, of course. So like that, I'm I'm saying for the opposite. Like so for the idea that it was had anything to do with gentrification and the original occupants in the in the you know what I mean like the people who are permanently living there, it just seems like a very like if you're wanting to throw people off for like you know what there's not going to be any renovations on this place we're mm-hmm. keeping it the way it is it's seedy super mm-hmm. seedy let's keep it that way then you'd think that a corpse on the roof beaten and battered possibly even raped would suffice the fact that you're thrown into a water tank and found weeks later that like that it makes that, it even the, grosser right but but the, but the, but but to me like and those two things make, are not correlated but that'll like, make that international is, news right so that nobody that's living in this hotel is thinking that far ahead you're talking about people who are like working for like cnn like like mm. you know what i mean like nobody is planning that far ahead at this place to think that I think, it's, I think it's you're group, kind of underestimating don't you, them. But no, but, but no, but why wouldn't you just have cut cut her face, this, cut her face like the smile of the Joker, like on the roof? Like there's a million sadistic, crazy things you could do to make this place look like no one should ever change it. But how bad does it look to, for the hotel to have a rotting body in your water tanks for up to two weeks and you don't even notice or do anything about it until you're starting to get the complaints? Right, that just shows a severe lack of control, right, and security. And, it does. And, but, and 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 I'm just going to finish on this note here. Those plans for modernization and gentrification were abandoned after Elisa's death. Nothing yeah. ever went through. No so, kidding. Mission solved. Mission Presumably. Yeah. So, but but that, but at the same time, we're debating right now whether or not, for example, she killed herself. Could she have done it herself? Was she murdered? Was there supernatural elements? If someone's just straight up brutally murdered on a roof, nobody's going to be building well, fancy condos there. There have been many murders. murders. But even the speculation that she killed herself, that it was a suicide, right? Like, that takes away from the entire premise that you did this for a reason. Like, you killed this person for a reason to prevent gentrification. Does that, like, like, that just seems like... But I don't know if it needs to be that obvious, right? It just has to be a a hit on the hotel's reputation. It doesn't need to be a murder, per se. It just needs to be a gross death, right? 
right? Because, yeah. like, people get murdered all over the place. People get murdered in hotels every day. Right? I'm just saying that it just seems like there's two motives there. All right. Like, there's... All right. So you're not convinced on that one. Um, no, let's see if I convince I'm you not. on the next one. All right. So, scenario two. Serial killer. You already mentioned serial killer, how... These people wouldn't have been smart enough. Serial killers are very smart people. <laughs> and they go undetected. Yes, they like, are. And they would have been frequenting in places like the Cecil Hotel. So the idea that a random guest slash serial killer might have been staying at the hotel for a day or two while they're doing their worldwide, or not worldwide, their across America tour, right? Um, this is actually quite a convenient way to dispose of the body because it isn't going to be found until weeks later. So it's even hard to pinpoint when the death actually occurred. And who was staying at the hotel at that time? That person would have been gone, right, for weeks. Yeah. Slipped away totally undetected. Plenty of head start. So I already mentioned this, I think, that FBI investigator that made the comment that there's anywhere between 25 to 50 active serial killers in America at any given time. Um, and many of these do avoid detection by remaining on the road. They are essentially nomads that frequent hotels such as the Cecil, and they make use of many... Um, nefarious me. That's interesting, though, if you think about it, because obviously serial killers usually have an MO. So the fact that Alisa was found in this water tank is highly unique. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, like, maybe it was just a one-off. Maybe they usually dump them in a dumpster or something, and they right. were just like, well, you know what? Screw it. We, we made it up to the... Maybe it happened that the circumstances, they just like... I don't even know how that would play out, though. It's in my so- head, I'm trying to imagine what yeah. the heck would have gone on. I know, right? Because even to like, even to say, hey, there's a convenient water tank there. I'm going to dispose the body in there because <laughs> yeah. no one will find it for multiple weeks and about, it'll partly decompose. Yeah. It is not easy. No. Not that I've not that I've been dragging bodies and putting them in water tanks here, people. But I'm just going to say, mm-hmm. it is not easy to lift even dead weight, 115 pound anything, not and then carry it up a ladder. And get it, like, that just seems cumbersome. But even that, she wouldn't have been dead weight. She would have had to have been alive because she drowned. So right, she, right. Okay. Pres- that's actually another interesting thing that we True. can speculate on. Mm-hmm. What if she didn't, I wonder if they did an analysis of the water in her lungs, if it matched the water in the tank. Right. Or actually would have matched a bathtub in the hotel as well, because it would have come from the same source. Yeah, so but could she have been drowned in a bathtub exactly, and brought to the roof? Exactly, and brought up to the roof. I mean, yeah. of course, my question, right when we first started researching, or well, when Amber really started researching this episode, I'm like, okay, I've worked in hotels before there's way more cameras than at this hotel the Cecil hotel has zero video surveillance See? at all like yeah. I've worked I worked at a holiday and there's a camera everywhere there's like five in the lobby there's one in every hallway there's 50 in the parkade right there, there's one outside every elevator <laughs> one caught okay. Tom Bud passed out on his yes car. <laughs> okay like so oh, presumably someone because like that was my first question with this I'm like okay how is there no suspects we know when the video footage of her in the elevator took place mm-hmm. Okay. We would have facial recognition software applied to every single person in or out of that lobby in the last 48 to 72 hours. You would think. Right? Yeah. But the police Nothing. settled on their zebra or their unicorn of an explanation, right? Yes, they they did. just they clung on to the mental illness. And I don't know if that really, really adds up. No, it's garbage. Another thing, you're mentioning footage and cameras. There was actually another piece of footage of Elisa taken, and this was I think this was before the elevator footage. Um, it was given, um, the statement was given by Detective Tennell, who was a part of the investigation. Mm-hmm. And it, he kind of described how there was a piece of surveillance that showed Elisa with two strange men who walked, and they walked into the hotel, like, lobby. Right. And handed her a mysterious box. Lisa took the box from the men and supposedly went up the elevator. 
The box was never discovered, and nor the men's identities, so we don't really know what was going on there. Some point to Elisa's Tumblr posts of, about this new, I mentioned this before too, this new camouflage technology. Actually, did I mention this? No, already? you haven't. You haven't oh, mentioned okay, this, okay. no. And so, okay, so she had a couple posts about new camouflage technology. It was like a Canadian firm, I think on the East Coast. And she was kind of like talking about like, wow, look at this. Like, you know, it's like basically like a camo suit, very similar to what sort of technology Predator uses kind of thing. Kind of reminds me of uh, Skinwalker Ranch. But uh, this is a very loose connection. Doesn't really go far as far as a breadcrumb trail. And a lot of people chalk it up to Elisa's fascination with the invisibility cloak of Harry Potter. Right. So that, that again, sense. it does make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, my idea to add to this sort of box and these two men is the idea that obviously Elisa was traveling around. She had actually mentioned a new love interest that she had found. I think it was in San Diego. And I sort of thought, I was like, maybe he was involved or maybe he's one of the people in in the footage, but we, I haven't been able to find any sort of um, clarification or correlations to that. Right. What do you think about that? Obviously, well, I mean, yeah, like when you, when we were first discussing this, looking over the notes and everything, that was a, that was like the turning point for me. I was like, oh, wait a second, we gotta, we gotta mm. venture into that. Mm-hmm. But of course, nothing really comes out of it. And there's so many conspiracy theories that go along with it, right? The yeah. idea of what was this box? What was, was in yeah. this box? Was Why? it the technology? Exactly. Was she involved with something that she shouldn't have been involved with? Or I'm just not, learned it, too much? Right. And I'm like, I'm not leaning that way. No? I, 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 I'm not leaning the way in like government conspiracy cover-up or anything no, like that. Neither. But at the same time, could she have met or met somebody associated with, I don't know, something that she didn't intend on being involved with yeah, because she was in a certain neighborhood and maybe met certain people. Yeah, exactly. Another thing that probably would have clarified a lot of this is if we had her cell phone. She lost her cell phone days leading up to her disappearance. Right. I think she had, like, borrowed one from a friend. That's what it said in, in one of the articles. Yeah, yeah, she borrowed a cell phone. I don't really know about that, though. And if we had the record of her, like, you know, like, her texting, her phone calls or you know what I mean that probably would clarify And of clarify course it just never turned up, eh? Another thing too that's confusing is what happened to the box, right? I said never found that box. They never found like they, I don't even know what happened to her belongings, you know what I mean? Like if they were like accounted the for. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. If anyone listening knows anymore though. <laughs> Let us know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of true crime podcasts have definitely covered the Elisa Lamb case. Very and, true. And um, honestly, there's so many of them that I didn't have time to listen to them. We don't have a lot of time these days to listen to a ton of podcasts. For select it's few. Hard. It's hard. Yeah. I mean. Well, yeah. So that's kind of my two sort of other people scenarios. Either it was someone connected to the hotel in some way or with someone that is just a nefarious serial killer or something or even a one-off killer right what if they well, just what if they just looked at her the wrong way because there was a lot of seedy types at that hotel long-term residents right so maybe it was a resident but they weren't actually like consciously trying to like slight the hotel they were just doing their thing mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know what people get up to Weird, freaky people. Well, and it seems likely, obviously, it would be somebody that's been around because even if there aren't a lot of cameras, you would still know where to go. Yeah. You know what I mean? To, like, not be seen when the elevator's acting strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, to make it to the roof and back to your room without any cameras. And honestly, like, 
and that's another thing we didn't do for this, but like, I would like a list. I would just like a list. I'm sure it's like less than five for the whole friggin' building. But like, how many cameras are there in this building? Mm-hmm. Where are the points where someone can actually have their face captured on yeah, that's camera? A great point. And yeah. then from there, you could say, okay, so here's the points where it's not. Who knows those points? Well, the residents, mm-hmm. presumably. Mm-hmm. And then, pff, I don't know, like, take it from there, I guess, the investigation from there. Yeah. But it definitely seems like it would have been. Yeah, somebody somebody from the building to mm-hmm. me, if we're going that route. Either that or it's someone who is a serial killer slash plumber, and they're familiar with Slash plumber. Well, yeah. honestly, though. <laughs> no, really, yeah. If you're a plumber, that gives you access to people's homes, people's businesses, behind, you know what I mean? Like, you had access to a lot. That's why I don't call plumbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just re- rely on my terrible plumbing skills. Yeah, that's why I cut my hair, so there's not as much hair in the drain. There you go. That's right. That's right. <laughs> At the end of the day, too, the idea of her being murdered, which is the most likely Occam's razor to me, right? Mm-hmm. Whether, regardless of who it was. I mean, that the, the broad strokes is that she was murdered, right? But the idea of the video footage in the elevator, the weird hand movements, walking in right angle turns, mm. pressing every button. Um, yeah. Those things don't add up. And then no. the toxicology report doesn't add up to explain those factors. No. She wasn't under the influence of anything. She wasn't. That's, she didn't yeah. have a GHB. She wasn't date, no. ra- date raped or anything like that. Well, that would just be her passed out. <laughs> well, uh, depending on depending. the potency, right? Yeah. Because some people, even women, women mm-hmm. will just take it to get high. You very just take true. it in very low quantities. Very true. We're just getting, get feeling good. Exactly. Mm. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's get into some, like. We, well, we've just got a couple pulled up. Weird coincidences related to this case because there yeah. are quite a few. Um, one small one here uh, that I pulled up was this idea that Lamb was actually a fan of Ryan Gosling's music. What the heck? I didn't what? even know. I didn't even know he was an artist. But apparently, her favorite song of his was a song called "Buried in Water." So yeah. Mm. Huh creepy there was another coincidence too that a lot of people um kind of allude to maybe might have influenced her in some way shape or form the movie dark water starring jennifer Connelly, and that was a 2005 american horror film (laughs) and it has a lot of eerily similar coincidences it actually was a remake of a 2002 japanese film and it was called uh, it was based on a short story called floating water and it was by the same guy who also wrote the Ring trilogy. So creepy. Super creepy. And in the movie, um, the body of a woman is actually found in a water tank in eerily similar circumstances to Elise's death. So that was freaky deaky. Huh. Um, yeah. There was <laughs> so, a few more. Like we already mentioned the John, St. John's. St. John? Is it St. John? Or John, Book of John? Book oh, of John. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I can't remember if it was John or someone else, Paul. No, I think something. it was the Book of John. I think it was the Book of John. And there was all the references to water that sort of corresponded to the buttons that Elisa was pressing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all of those things point to something paranormal. Um, mm-hmm. Possibly something even related to... I mean, if you're, if you're a religious, if you're leaning religious tendencies, like something demonic. Because mm, yeah. there's... Or like the, what's it called, that entity that we came across in Love Castle. The elemental. The elemental, yeah. Where it's just something that's existed for thousands and thousands of years that will latch on to certain situations and things like that. And it's just like a culmination of a bunch of just negative feelings and concentration of negativity. Just and mostly just death. death mostly just yeah. a concentration of death. And if this is a site of concentration of death... 
Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's something she ran into. I mean, are we kind of so, coming down to our final thoughts? I mean, yeah. We, yeah. Give me, give me your, like, what do you, what do you, where do you stand now after this? Or can you even tell me that? <laughs> that yeah. Good question. Can I even tell you? This has been odd to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, her, the fact that she, the toxicology report turning up nothing, the fact that she was not raped, that there was just well, very, maybe. I don't know if there's rape. No, no, no. It's, well, yeah, but I mean, even, usually it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Like, like there was right? no like, external signs of trauma exactly. is what they noted. Um, it just, no video footage of anyone. The weird stuff in the elevator. I don't want to, like, take away from her death because, you know, I don't. I just don't want to do that at all. But at the same time, as, a, like, a paranormal investigator, I can call myself now after a year and a half of doing this show. Mm-hmm. Um there's just elements of this that just do not point to a like a serial killer in any sort of pattern or like to anything that speaks to like the I don't even know like I don't personally know the people living in this hotel hmm. but I just can't see it being Occam's razor more likely that this is the way she ends up dying on a bad night that someone's having cracked out on bath salts or meth or someone who legitimately wants to hurt the reputation of the Cecil Hotel that just lives there on their 13 bucks a month budget that comes up with this strategy and doesn't get caught. So you're telling me you're leaning paranormal? I'm leaning... I'm really? leaning I don't know. I'm leaning I, 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 I'm 50-50-50. I'm, like, equal on all of these. I, I, that's a cop-out of an answer, but, like, but I just don't know. But out of every single scenario that we've talked about, what is the most likely for you? Murder from someone living in the Cecil Hotel who knows exactly where every camera angle is and how to just head mm. straight back to the room when it's done. Okay. Well, that's the short version. I'm going to contrast you a little bit. I'm not going paranormal with this. I I thought that there was a lot of weird things about this case. The the all the lore that sprung up around this, and then you know, like uh, just the footage itself is just so strange that it makes you um, like sort of point to that at first. I am going serial killer route though. I think that there are definitely a lot of individuals in America that are more than capable of performing this. They don't have to be. Um, they don't have to be necessarily familiar with the Cecil Hotel. Uh, I think the Chinese YouTuber proved that in his video. He, he basically just clambered on up there first time, first go, and just was successful. That was in the middle of the day. So can you imagine the yeah. middle of the night? That's different than getting, getting a away? person with you up there. Oh, right? at, at knife point, at gunpoint, no problem. No problem. Up some stairs, yeah. And if you think about it, if Elisa, like a lot of people think that she was actually flirting with someone in that elevator footage, that there was something else present or someone else present, I should say, and that she was interacting with them in some way, shape, or form. So if you think about it like that, then perhaps she was just playing a very interesting hotel game with this person that ended up very poorly for her. I don't possible. know. It's, it's really it's, unfor- it's such an unfortunate circumstance it's... overall, and I just feel so bad for her family. Like they don't have, I don't think they have proper answers, and no, I really of they hope. Don't. Honestly, the main impetus for me doing this episode is us dipping our toes into true crime for sure, but more so just trying to keep the conversation going, so that maybe, maybe it's almost like the dial off pass thing, right? Where maybe an investigation can be reopened. And official, right? Like, not just, like, internet sleuths, not, like, people like me and you that like to, you know, just talk about it and speculate. speculate, Exactly. But just to really, for me, I would just feel so happy if they, in their lifetime, were able to really get 
some sort conclusive because I don't think her family would have ever let her go if they ever thought she was capable of anything like that. No, she did not kill herself. I am confident in saying that right now. She did not kill herself. Nobody kills themselves that way. I'm just, I'm sorry. Nobody does that. Nobody. Unless you want some, unless you have some really sick, poetic sort of like ending in mind. And then you leave a note or a poem or whatever. Oh, totally. Like you're out on the ledge. Oh my gosh. Andrew, that's a great point. She didn't allude to any None of this of on her Tumblr blog. None Nothing. of it. Like, no. you know? And she's the type that would. She would. Yeah, right? exactly. So there's a lot of unanswered questions. And for the Lamb family's sake, I really hope that something is done to kind of help help sort of maybe create more of a I mean, all, uh, conclusion. The reality is, <clears throat> I mean, I, I do too, of mm-hmm. course. I mean... The reality is that that's probably never going to happen, and all that I can really hope for. It's almost is like the Dyatlov, right? Where it's like, uh, sure, it's reopened now, but who knows? Right. But we can all we can do is hope and pray, and you know, maybe it'll come true. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. No doubt. Until then. <laughs> In the end, though, absolutely bizarre, bizarre case, yeah. and um, we hope mm-hmm. you guys have enjoyed it, and we hope that well enjoyed it as much as you can. Well, exa- interested it, in it. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, I hope it was fascinating, and I hope that. Um, if anyone has any comments or suggestions or like, you know, like things to add to the conversation or things that maybe we got wrong about this case, because, you know, we, we're researching this in the span of a few weeks. Right. So there are always things that we might miss. And we really just want to do this case justice. So please get at us if there's anything you heard tonight that doesn't sound right to you or anything like that. And we will make those corrections. Um, anything else you want to say, Andrew, before we wrap this up? I don't think so. I just appreciate everyone for, um, yeah, just to, um, sticking with us for this episode, our first sort of venture into true crime. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe we'll do a few more. Who knows? Yeah. Um, we'll see how you guys enjoy this one, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. I guess our only other comparable would be the um, that notorious, what was it, the, the, oh, what's his name again, that man that played... 007. Oh, uh, yeah, Lord, in, Lord Lucan. <laughs> the case of Lord Lucan. We covered Lord Lucan. International for, uh, Man of Mystery. Patreon, yeah, mm-hmm. that guy. Uh, that was a whodunit. Was a, yeah, potentially a very brutal, brutal mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, we want to hear what you guys have to think about this. Um, your theories. You're leaning your paranormal. Here, You're leaning yeah. more that she was murdered from someone in the hotel. Serial killer? Or maybe I don't it was know. just this tragic accident. We want to hear it all. Could be. So. I had a lot of flashbacks to Dexter. Let's just say oh, that when I was, totally. walking, when I was uh, doing this series. Maybe Lamb was a killer herself. No, I'm kidding. Oh my gosh, let's not go there. <laughs> well, okay. let's not go there. That's like way down the river. Way down. And of course, there were some crazy theories out there that we didn't bring up. Um, in this episode. So if there's anything that you felt really should have been touched on, just let us know. Totally. And we can get a, get conversation going in the forum. Absolutely. Yeah. Into the portal mailbox at gmail.com. Hit us up. Um, yeah. Join our Facebook group, um, Into the Portal Podcast, and then you just click the group. And then we also have The Strange Room. <gasps> so so this is the Facebook group for Straight Up Strange Productions. So uh, us, a whole bunch of other awesome shows. It's a growing family. And there's already like over 300 people in the group. We just started it like a few days ago. Oh, and we're um, announcing a contest too in the next couple days we right? are so mm-hmm. we have a we don't know the exact format of it yet but we have a couple of epic prizes for you guys mm-hmm. that it's going to be promoted through straight up strange production so a really cool yeti loch ness monster t-shirt and a ufo hat a rainbow ufo hat. rainbow ufo well hat. it's like it's shooting a rainbow out of it it's dope and it's, it's, it's a gray hat so it's wearable it's not oh, like yeah. a crazy hat no 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 it's not it's totally wearable yeah totally 
Uh, yeah, so stay tuned for that. And um, as always, thank you so much to our producer, Charlene Ramler, and all of our Patreon supporters. We love you guys so, 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 so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you haven't checked us out, hit us up. It's patreon.com forward slash into the portal. And we have yeah. a couple of really cool episodes uh, coming out this month for you guys. Mm-hmm. Should we tease what it is? Sure. So we've got full length episode uh, talking about the missing bones of King Arthur and mm-hmm. the search to try to prove that Camelot was real. Yep. And then we also have the tongue Guska event. Yeah. This massive explosion that happened in Russia and that's going to be our mini-sode for this month. So yeah, check us out on Patreon, you guys, and stay tuned for all the fun stuff to come on Into the Portal. <laughs> Until then. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.